Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 5. And I'm not going to take a lot of time because I want you guys to be here tonight, okay? I'm just going to leave you with one, uh, two thoughts. I'm going to leave you with two thoughts um, as we engage in a time of prayer together, as we close out today. Um, And we're going to look at verse 5. So I want you to go there. Look at verse 5. All right. And I want you to read along with me. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says this. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets. That they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father, I ask that you would be with us today. Lord, as we spend this short time, Lord, in, to motivate our time of prayer, I just pray, Lord, that you would align our hearts to yours. Align our mind to yours. Allow us, Lord, to see, Lord, the message of your gospel and how it compels us to come before your presence with liberality, knowing that we have been called by you. Bless us in this time. And we ask that in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. When you pray. When you pray. This teaching by Jesus uh, to the disciples is in part, if you notice, uh, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount looks like a greatest hits edition. It's like a highlight reel of some of the great teachings of Jesus Christ being all just mashed up into one place. It's an amalgam of different teachings of Jesus Christ being brought together. And when we see this part, we can bring it into context because if we go back to Luke chapter 11, we'll learn that this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching on prayer, came as a response to the disciples who had asked Jesus, how do we pray? Now, they had asked Jesus, how do we pray? Because they were asking Jesus in response to a pattern that they saw and a habit that they saw that Jesus engaged in. And this habit was the habit of going out off on his own to go and pray. They would see that he would pray continuously, that Jesus was the paradigm of prayer. He was he he practiced prayer. He 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 would abscond away to pray. And so they 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 felt it necessary to ask Jesus, 
a teacher, tell us how we ought to pray. And so Jesus then responds to them. And the first words in his response was, and when you pray. Mm. And when you pray. The statement when you pray speaks into two things. Uh, The first thing that it speaks to is it speaks into the intentionality of prayer. The second thing that it speaks to is the reward of prayer. It speaks first to the intentionality of prayer, and it speaks to the reward of prayer. Meaning, when Jesus says, when you pray, he's showing that prayer is an active activity. It is proactive. Prayer is not a reactive thing, but that prayer is a proactive endeavor. Jesus, if he expected us to pray, it would seem as we see by the tone as Jesus instructs them on how to pray just by the very tone itself that Jesus is teaching them with a sense that they should practice this with discipline, that they should practice this with intentionality. For most of us, When we pray, most of our prayers, by contrast, would seem to be a reaction rather than a proaction. Most of us, when we pray, our prayers are simply a reaction to something. So by consequence, what happens is, is that we pray, but we're usually praying for one of two or three things. We're usually praying either to thank God for something, or we're praying asking God for something. If we're asking God for something, we're asking him uh, uh, for, for healing or for some need that we have, or we're asking God for forgiveness. Whatever it may be, we're, we're, we're reactively responding to whatever it is that we're facing or whatever situation we're confronting. Here's the travesty of that. The unfortunate consequence of this is that if nothing is happening, then we aren't compelled to pray. Meaning, if there's nothing to be thankful for, then we don't feel like we need to pray if prayer is that reason. Or if there isn't a present need in our life, then there's no reason or no need for us to pray. We aren't compelled to pray. And if we're living okay for now, then we don't need to pray. This is the travesty of when we have what I would call reactive prayers. Reactive prayers are prayers that are conditional upon the present reality that we're being confronted with. So it is no surprise then that when we have a reactive posture to prayer, that we go through seasons and bouts in which we do not pray because we don't feel compelled to pray. If I got my money right, if my relationship's going okay, if I'm not sick and I'm not doing anything bad and everything's kind of mundane and normal and I got nothing really specifically to thank God for, then I don't have a reason to pray. But when you posture yourself as Jesus intends us, he's saying when you pray, meaning our prayer cannot be reactive. Our prayer must be proactive. When we pray reacting to something, we may not continue to pray. But when we pray with an intentionality, then we will be disciplined in our practice of prayer. Prayer in order, let me back that up, in order for prayer to be proactive, there must be an aspiration towards something. 
In order for prayer to be proactive, we must be seeking something. There has to be a goal. There has to be a place where this is going. If there isn't a goal, if there isn't an intention, if there isn't uh, um, something that, that you're aspiring to get towards, then there's no reason for you to pray. But when there is a goal, even when you don't feel like it, you pray because you're disciplining yourself. When there is something that you're aspiring to beyond how you feel, beyond the money that you have, beyond the status that you have, beyond the comfort or discomfort, beyond whatever's going on with with your life, when your eye is fixed on the prize, it gives you the capacity to discipline yourself to be able to continue to pray. I believe that the issue that that, that we have now as believers of Jesus Christ is that when we find ourselves in bouts of passivity in prayer, it's because of the fact that we've lost sight on what the purpose of prayer is in the first place. And by consequence, we've lost sight of what the reward of prayer is. But there is, as we'll read here in the text, a reward to prayer. There is a place that prayer is supposed to take us to. Prayer is not simply a request that we're giving to our uh, to, to God. Prayer is not simply asking God for something. Prayer has an intentionality to it that goes beyond the request that we ask towards God. We often pray for stuff. Huh, but prayer is not intended for us to pray for stuff. <laughs> we we're often we're, we're, we're often seeking something from God or thanking God for something when when prayer is not specifically intended for that. You see, prayer has a reward. There is a reward to prayer. I want you to put in the chat right now. I want you to declare it right now. There is a reward to prayer. Yes, there is a reward. Prayer has a reward. Notice here, by virtue of the text, look what it says in verse 5. Notice by virtue of the text and by implication that when Jesus says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the street that they may be seen by men. Notice that when he's saying when you pray, it gives by implication that there are others that pray as well. He's making a distinction here between them and the hypocrites. The operable word there for hypocrite is um, imposter or, or pretender. He's saying then, by implication, that we can surmise at least, that there are other folks who pray, but when they pray, God doesn't necessarily hear them. He goes on to say, look at the text. He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand uh, pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. And he says, assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. Notice that the problem here isn't that they prayed in public. The problem was why they prayed in public. Mm-hmm. You see, when they prayed in public, that is, when they prayed standing in the synagogues or when they prayed on the corner of the streets, they prayed in order to be seen. The purpose of their prayer was to be seen. 
The purpose of their prayer was to be seen and to be heard for the many words that they spoke. They, 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 these, these guys, they already got their reward. You see, people may be impressed by the breadth of your vocabulary. They may be impressed by your ability to articulate. They may be impressed by your theology. They may be impressed by the depth of your education. But since when did God care about the words that you spoke? Notice what Jesus says in verse 7. He says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Didn't the Bible tell us? That in, in, I believe in Romans chapter eight, verse 26, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us, which with groanings, which we cannot utter. Can I just speak real quick for a second? That often we think that the quality of our prayer comes out of the quality of our words. We think that the quality of our prayer comes out of our ability to, to articulate. We think that the quality of our prayers is the ability to preach a sermon to God as if God doesn't know his theology, as if God does not know who he is, as if God does not have the wisdom that goes beyond ours, did he not say in his word that his ways are above our ways and that his thoughts are above our thoughts? We can't think on God's level, yet we do not have a vocabulary to fit within God's bigness, to fit within his greatness, to fit within the profundity of his wisdom, and yet God still wants us to pray to him. You see, God won't be impressed by the words that you speak. God will be impressed by the posture of your heart. God isn't interested in how well you can put words together. He isn't interested in how well you can articulate. He isn't interested in the way in your diction and your and your and, 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 and all the vocabulary that vocabulary that you have. What he's interested in is in the posture of your heart. If your prayer simply impresses people who hear you pray, then you already got your reward. But when you're praying to seek the Lord, it's something deeper than just people being impressed by what you say. If you impress yourself by how you pray, then you may not be praying right. If you pray real good to yourself and it feels real good and it sounds good, it probably isn't good enough. Because God is not judging you based off of the quality of your words. God is determining your prayer by the posture of your heart. So then he says here in this text, instead of praying like the imposters, he says, when you pray, don't use those vain repetitions. Don't be like them, verse 8. For your father already knows the things that you need before you even ask him. If God is omniscient, omnipotent, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, when we come with our requests to God, do we come with them as if we're giving God new information? God already knows what we need before we even come to him. So then what is the purpose of prayer if it isn't to ask for a prayer request? What is the purpose of prayer then if it isn't just simply to come to God with our needs? He says this, that if you pray, 
pray in secret. And your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There's a reward. Ah, there's an open reward. Look at the text again. Look what it says. There's a reward. There's an, there's an open reward to prayer. Prayer has a reward. Hmm. Yes, there's a reward to prayer. Notice now that Jesus is instructing them. He's saying, don't worry about the other stuff. Yeah, you can talk about the other stuff. You can come to God with the other stuff. But there's, there's, a, there's an even bigger reward. There's something better than just getting your prayers answered. <laughs> there's something better than getting your prayer requests answered. Uh, th th there's something better than, than God just hearing your thank you. Uh, uh, there's something better than that. There's something greater than that. It's not to say that that isn't good, but there's something greater than that. And it's not to say that it isn't okay to pray in public, but he's saying there's something, there's something that happens even in your private time with God. Uh, the real test, my brothers and sisters, when it comes to the posture of our heart is to ask, are we more passionate about praying at a prayer service in a public gathering than we are in private? Because if we're more passionate praying in private, or in public more than in private, then maybe we need to realign the posture of our hearts and ask ourselves why we pray. But if we would get a little bit of insight into what the reward of prayer looks like, Jesus says, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's one thing to iterate this. It's another thing for this to become real in your life. He's talking about the manner by which we pray that this text speaks into the posture in which we ought to pray. And what the scriptures eventually tell us, and I want to break this down later on for you guys, what the scripture tells us, it tells us when we begin to posture ourselves this way in prayer, acknowledging our father, acknowledging his name, acknowledging his kingdom, acknowledging what we ought to do to forgive, acknowledging that we, we, we seek to not be drawn into temptation, but to be delivered from the evil one, acknowledging that his is the kingdom, beginning with the kingdom and ending with the kingdom, the kingdom from the beginning, the kingdom to the end, when that becomes our posture, ah, there is a beautiful reward that comes after it. What is that reward? In Philippians, it says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer, let your request be made known to God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Whew. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Here's what God is saying. When you align yourself to his will, when you align yourself to his heart, when you align yourself to him, when you are in alignment, there's a peace that goes beyond understanding. 
You see, you people may not understand why you're okay when some of your prayers aren't exactly answered. They don't, they're, they're not exactly clear as to why you're at peace when the world seems to be falling apart all around you. And they don't understand why you're at peace when things don't seem like uh, they're, they're adding up. And all of a sudden things that you begin to pray for now, they're not being answered, but now there's an understanding, a peace that goes past that understanding and people may not understand it. Ready? My brothers and sisters, when you begin to pray with the right posture, the prayer request begins to align to the will of God that goes beyond your understanding. Because his ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. And when that happens, stay with me, fam. Even in the middle, God is giving you the grace to find peace and joy in the midst of it. Even in the middle, God is teaching you to enjoy his presence. Even in the middle, God is teaching you to rely upon him. And when you rest in him, you rest in this authority that you have, that when you speak, things can change, but things are changing in accordance to his will. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to bring heaven to earth. He wants to bring heaven to your heart. He wants to realign heaven to your home. He wants to realign heaven to your marriage. He wants to realign heaven. The goal was his kingdom. The goal wasn't your money. The goal was the kingdom. The goal wasn't your agenda. The goal was his agenda. God wants to align his agenda to yours. And when it all becomes one, his kingdom has been brought into fruition. And we have been called to operate in this authority as his representatives on earth. So now we pray. For even when we share our prayer requests with one another, we're going to pray. Believing in God that he's exercising his justice, that he's exercising healing, that he's working all things out for the good. For we love him and are called to his purpose. Father, we thank you. But as we engage in this time of prayer, give us confidence to know, Lord, that you are our reward. Oh, I'm reminded of the sacrifice and the covenant that was made with Abraham. <sighs> when you declared to Abraham that you are his just reward. Lord, be our reward. Lord, not just a father, but our father. Lord, live in us, live through us that your kingdom would reside in us and emanate out of us. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you for this time. We thank you for tonight as well, Lord, for what you're going to do. And we believe that you are just getting started. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen.